0: Welcome to Ms. Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Good morning, Poetry Outlaws. It's another beautiful August day here, full of the uh, trillings of the blue jay in the tree outside my studio window. And I'm going to start another series, which is going to commingle with the Abysadarian of Poetics, and also homages as I create them, and hopefully an occasional interview to and other who-knows-what aspects and elements of this podcast. But this one is called Imagined Readings, and this came to me the other day when I was reading... Tim Bowling's The Dark Set, his new Tenderman poems from 2019. And I started thinking about Sylvia Legree's Nerve Squall, uh, which came out in 2005. And it just struck me, and it struck me before. It's something I've thought about for quite a while. I mean, the whole, you could almost say, toxicity behind the uh, publishing industry is that its model is that of any other consumer product. So you have the, you know, the waiting to have it emerge, but once it's emerged, it quite quickly usually vanishes. Uh, Within a few months, you know, you may have done some readings from your book. If you're fortunate enough to have uh, your own funding or a publisher that has money for this, you may go on tour. But if your book doesn't receive some kind of award um, because their system is very um, gold star based, then it'll probably, you know, just dwindle into nothingness. And even if it does get an award, you know, it still doesn't have that much of a shelf life. If it doesn't sell within a few months at at bookstores, which, you know, most of the time it's it's lost amid many other genres and titles and, you know, scented candles and so forth. It's returned to the publisher. So what chance does your book have? And of course, there's far too many books being released. So it's not possible for even more than a tiny percentage of them to be noticed uh, because we have that other system of the MFA churning out texts. uh, And we don't have enough people actually reading poetry or buying poetry, even if they write it. Which will never fail to amaze me, stun me, and sicken me, but I you know for me, a poetry reading i mean it's it's part of the completion of creating a poetry book, but it's also in and of itself an act of performance and ritual and and it's an experience of beauty and meaning, so I've long thought, oh wouldn't it be great if You know, there was this wonderful world where there was funds given for publishers to actually look back at past catalogs and create performance events or suggest that poets themselves create these happenings where uh, certain books join with other books from the past thematically or rhythmically or formally. And we have these incredible readings where we're not just going there because it's the latest book, which is always supposed to be the best that the author has to offer. Um, but it's actually a performative event that is connecting work that Canadian poets have done in the past and the, the present. So that's my idea behind these imagined readings. So each time I'm going to, and I have obviously a, a pretty vast Canadian poetry book collection. I'm going to read a bit of the back description of the book and then I'm going to read a poem or a part of a poem from the book and connect it to another poet. Now, obviously, because this idea came to me when I was reading Tim Bowling and I went and dug out my Sylvia Legree, that's what I'm going to do today. So I'm going to start with. uh, Nerve Squall by Sylvie Legree, which came out two thousand and five, and she's got a lot of longer sequences in here. So I'll just read three short parts of one sequence, and then I will read one poem from Tim Bowling's The Dark Set, and let's see what emerges in terms of resonances and echoes, and just that revivifying of a text from, you know, the past, which becomes the very distant past so quickly these days. So Nerve Squall. Uh, the blurb on the back, the description of it says, "'It's a field guide like no other, "'a surreal handbook to a landscape "'at the crossroads of meteorology and neurology, "'where electrical storms without "'and electrical impulses within converge. "'These are poems with snow golems and ghost cats "'and a sky filled with fish swimming the winds of a storm. "'They have a sly apocalyptic wit "'that can't help but laugh as the sky falls.'" Nerve Squall is a vital exploration of the symbiosis of storm, nerve, and language, a sure-handed guide to the end of the world. It's also about having a migraine, which sounds utterly banal and agonizing. But Nerve Squall is, in fact, one of these books I've returned to many times because of the absolute delight in language and sound, and it's got these wonderful, whimsical drawings throughout of fish and birds. So I'll read three parts of Sylvia Legree's piece, Fish Blood Sky. One, dead drift. Always an arm's length of line between you and the shore, an ocean of measure and weight, each syllable a long drawn lap, treading water wider and land driven on your fingertips an imprint of sand, and on the tip of your tongue just the tip. Buds of brine and nostalgia, sepia and silver, gelatin, and fins and scales, a fine dip net separating inside from out, reticulated skin, a scar montage, soul, a mosaic, splintered palm and touch mediated by sky, by two, a long, long crossing. Falling fish, wounded fish, carp, 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 stench of cod liver and creosote, Everything slips, dripping from your fingers, meaning in words, grey cell by red, blood beads enough to string every planet the colour of Mars. And you, you would rage if you could find your way there, an obstacle course of broken rosary, broken. 3. riprap. Prayer and reverie of rock chip of pebble. The sun falls five times in the course of a conversation. Words rise and recede and your voice is the moment before stone skips surface. Water, a repetition of ever-widening intervals. Harmony of absence and lapse. You are craggy embankment here for the long haul. And I clacking onyx and quartz for luck. Watery with superstition. So Legree's book came out from Coach House Press, and Tim Bolings is a Buckrider book, and this is a return to his Tenderman poems. As it says in the back, a Tenderman is a crew member of a fishing vessel, someone constantly exposed to elemental forces. In the dark set, the Tenderman is a character from another time, a worker from a lost resource culture, a fiercely independent everyman. The poems in the collection are a conversation set on the deck of a freighter in the mist, set in an emptied town, a give and take between the tenderman and the author. Here much of the modern world with all its conundrums is considered and masculinity, history and power are cracked open. There is a wry acknowledgement of the layers of our culture that brightens this elegant collection, a sense of humour at the human plight that buoys you even as the colours of the coast dissolve into the colours of the sea." Anatomy. How many bones in the human hand, Tenderman? Your human hand. Whatever it's done, it's human. Flesh, nerve, bone, very possibly broken. In a wave or a fist, in scars or caress, pointing always at time without reference to a face. Take a guess. Use one to calculate the other. Yes, yes as I use you, my mind over the bones of your life, to tear, to gesture, finally to hold as I hold my child's or my own. Whatever it's done, however many bones, I see your hand in consort with the other moonlit prehistoric and not even born lifting with such intricate attention. No, not yours, Tenderman, but mine, lifting again from the net and the depthless river finally to hold my father's skeleton. You've been listening to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians.